One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Carol Ray, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. <laughs> So thank you, Carol Ray, for introducing the women's singles final tennis podcast from the US Open in 2019. Carol is one of our Kickstarter backers for the year. We'll be launching our Kickstarter crowdfunding campaign to help us fund the 2020 season in December on December the 1st. So thanks for everybody who's backed us for this year. It's the reason we're still going, uh, doing nearly 100 shows over the course of the year and we'll, we'll go well beyond that. We've sent Matt Roberts to the Australian Open. We've been able to give him a job and next year, Catherine, we want him here. <laughs> Boy, do we. Boy, yeah. do we. Uh, you join us in the food court here at Flushing Meadows at the moment. Just trying to take in what we've just witnessed from Bianca Andreescu quite honestly because her performance was just quite extraordinary it's led to uh, Catherine and myself drinking pink drinks uh, I'm no longer two beers law I'm one what's it called Frosé one Frosé law it's taken you 46 years yeah it's David's birthday, folks. It's taking you 46 years to discover Frosé. Yeah, Catherine's bought me a Frosé, and I'm slightly swaying in my seat, I have to say. I'm about two-thirds of the way through it. It's a magical Crikey. combination of of Rosé wine, vodka, and whatever chemical makes it frozen yeah. at room temperature. It's it's very nice. Uh, and I feel, I feel like I need it to just try to settle myself down after witnessing a, a quite stunning final. I mean, it was two sets in the end. It was really exciting to about three all, the players going toe-to-toe, and then Andreescu just took off, didn't she? She won about, I think, eight out of the next nine games, seven out of the next eight, something like that, uh, to go up 6-3, 5-1 against Serena Williams. And it, and she had champions point, championship point in that game. It looked over. She didn't take the championship point, and then Williams began to play... In that game, her best tennis of the match, she started to play like Serena. Yes, on championship point at 5-1 down, Serena hit a forehand winner and that was her first winner of the set. Was it? And then she proceeded to win 16 of the next 20 
points to get back to five all. Crikey, that's stunning. Um, and I don't know about you, but at that point I was thinking, thank God Bianca Andreescu is human. <laughs> yes, you're right. Because I was starting to wonder if she actually would feel any nerves or tension. I really, I really was questioning whether she would. You, how, how much of that comeback do you put down to nerves and tension? Because... It, I'm sure it, it's a factor, but Serena did start to really connect, didn't she, at that because point? Because the nerves and tension for her were alleviated somewhat yes. because she had nothing to lose at that stage. So I, I, I put that reversal in of momentum down entirely to pressure and tension on both sides of the net. Um, it, it increasing for Andreescu to a point which she'd obviously never experienced before and it and it lifting from Serena yeah. a little bit. And yet, there was, I don't know about you, I never really thought Andrescu wasn't going to win it because she was so the superior tennis player. Yeah. I think in my gut, I felt that. Uh, but I commentated on the second set. And, I mean, I always find it, I've told you this before, I find it quite hard to judge a set of tennis that I'm commentating on for the radio I mean we're, we're in the back row we're looking down we've got, I've got no other point of reference than my two people that I'm sitting alongside which were Jeff Durango and Naomi Brody and they gave great analysis but I get a bit lightheaded because it's such it's you're putting so much emotion into it yourself in order to try to help capture what you're seeing especially in a set like that which goes from 5-1 to 5-all and it's a grand slam it's it's either the 24th for one woman or the first for another I mean it, it, there's no way that it can not be a, a quite emotional experience for everybody involved but I felt in my gut that that Andreska would win and yet seeing Serena come back at her seeing the crowd go with her you, just the logical part of my brain started thinking well how can any human withstand this and and I was worried a bit for, for Andreescu because I'm always, I'm always sort of slightly worried about the the consequences of a not winning from there what if she'd have not won from 6-3-5-1 championship point I honestly think 95% of players in that position having been ped back to 5-all to five from 5-1 championship point would have lost that set 7-5 or 7-6 and lost the third set 6-1 I, th- I think if it weren't Bianca Andreescu that would have been the most likely scenario at I that point right. honestly the, the will yeah. of Serena Williams the the desire the the competitive instincts would have overwhelmed anybody else but Bianca Andreescu is special she is made of something else isn't she, she I, I can't think of many players that I've ever seen quite carry herself quite like she does and seem to have the the mental approach that she seems to have it's I haven't seen anything in this era of a new player like her is, is, is it this visualization business could be I mean it's, it's is it, I'm should sure it's I be visualizing a nap <laughs> yeah what am I going to visualise visualise the nap and a cheese board and thus it will be so I'm going to start visualising victory over Solihull Simon <laughs> easily because yeah why aren't we all doing it I mean, <laughs> that's what can happen well, but, uh, particularly because she's so on the money with it I mean the thing what, what gets me is how candid she is about her visualisation it's not like 
it's not like she sort of says, yes, I do visualisation, but I'm not going into any details. She gives you specifics. The specifics <laughs> being that when she won the Orange Bowl as a 16-year-old, what, a full three years ago, <laughs> she said she visualised herself with the, U- the check, with the US Open winner's check. Yeah. Brackets, $3.85 million. Crikey. I wouldn't mind visualising that. <laughs> I am visualising it. It's, it's amazing. I'm really enjoying it. Oh, it's over. Give it three years, David. It'll oh, be yeah. yours. That's how uh, it works, apparently. Um, yeah. Happy birthday. Uh, and, uh, well, to be honest, I'm quite... Uh, given the price of these drinks, $17 a go, uh, <laughs> I could do it a nice big check. Um, no, look, it's... It's just the way she carries herself. And, and when, when it got to 5-all, I mean... It, the, the scoreboard can play tricks as well, can't it, on players' na- minds? Because talking to Jeff and Naomi in our studio, the moment it went 5-all, they said, right, this is now different for Serena Williams. She's no longer swinging from behind, nothing to lose. Now she's suddenly got something to lose. Now the crowd are, are in there believing. They're not just sort of last stand hoping. They are believing now that this is turning. Um... And, and so I think that did make a difference but the bigger point was what Andrescu did she just stood up and said come on then let's have it and she went out there and she just won the match she won the match I mean okay there were double faults from Serena I understand that I think there were two aces and two double faults to get to 30 all um, but it was the way that when she had the third of the match points went the one she finished it on when she just smacked that forehand winner away on the clean return there was just single-minded focus you're not having a rally here you're not taking charge of this rally here i'm gonna win it and she won it my goodness that was one of the great finishing points of, of a match that i've ever seen on a, on a grand slam title stage yeah, I think I'd agree with that. I, I don't know about you, but I found the her, her speech and sort of reaction and stuff a little bit disappointing. Well, certainly her speech, maybe not her reaction. She had that moment when she was flat out on her back. But I don't know whether there was a touch of the Andy Murray 2012 sort of total disbelief about it. I think there was definitely an element. Because look, she's, she's she almost seemed a bit before. flat. Yeah, I mean, I don't think... I, I, I do also feel that when people achieve great things sometimes it can be almost a little bit right I've done it how's, it supposed, to, how's it supposed to feel I don't really this feel anything this isn't how I visualised it <laughs> yeah um, but, but I, I I would imagine I genuinely think she was in shock listening to the interview that Prime did with her straight afterwards the way she reacted to to the scenario of being presented as the US Open champion and whether she could have ever believed this was possible, etc. You know, you could see in her eyes that whilst she feels this is perfectly doable and perfectly within her ability, the, the idea that she's actually gone and done it is still takes a heck of a lot of getting used to, particularly given who was down the other end. Yeah, and I wonder if that surprised her feeling or you know, once she's had time to process it, that reaction will surprise her because she. What did she say? She she was asked whether she was surprised to be in the final, and she said, "Look, if you'd asked me a year ago whether I'd 
be surprised to be in the US Open final, I'd, I'd have said, hell yeah. If you'd asked me two weeks ago, no, wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah. So maybe, you know, she went in believing she could win it. Therefore, you know, logically, if I win it, I won't be surprised or in shock. I'll be, you know, fully able to, maybe her lack of shock, no, maybe her shock shocked her. Yeah. No, I, 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 know, there, I know what you there? mean. What, what I really enjoyed about the match was the, the tactical approach because a player like Andreescu has so many options. She could have tried a few different things in that match and early on she hit that drop shot and Serena came in, read it, got there, drilled the ball straight at the belly button of Andreescu who managed to just scoop it back up into the air at which Serena then hit a drive double-handed volley straight back at her again. So she basically tried to drill her twice, which is seriously intimidating, I think, for most players. Perfectly legitimate, um, but the crowd loved that. They loved that sort of one-on-one, toe-to-toe kind of aggro of it all. And Williams finished it with a, come on, you know, the whole whole thing. And it would have been very easy for Andrescu to be intimidated by that. I loved the way that she was hitting her own winners and coming back with her own. Come on! You know, in a completely silent stadium when she was hitting her winners. She wasn't in the slightest inhibited by anything that was going on out there. But I noticed the way, apart from right at the end of the match, she basically stopped hitting drop shots altogether. That was the one she hit until late in the match. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I think a lot of people are expecting it to be quite a drop shot heavy match, yeah. you know. Or a slice. The narrative there was is none try of that. and expose the movement of Serena. She, she, she went toe to toe. She went toe to toe with the what we have always thought to be the hardest hitter in the world. And but she's not She's she, not anymore, she? Is exposed she exposed her tonight. She's not. John McEnroe came in your studio and, and, and said, and it was, yeah, I found it quite a jarring quote, there are now 10 to 20 players who hit the ball as hard as Serena. I'm not sure whether that's quite true, but... There are a handful, it's for defi- sure. Tonight, and when you think back 12 months ago to when Osaka did what she did, you start to realise, actually, the the ground has shifted here. Yes, that's how I feel about tonight. I feel like... Look, I know, I know I'm the first to take anything Patrick Moratoglu says with a pinch of salt. Sat next to Meghan Markle tonight. That wasn't an accident, was it? Nope. Um... But he said before this match, he said, "Look, the other three Sam finals she played before, uh, after coming back from uh, maternity leave, she she only she was able to make the finals through just willpower and competitive spirit, not because she was ready. Mm. This time she's ready. So we're looking at this purely in tennis terms, and I think I think that old adage of Serena's best tennis." is the best tennis no longer applies that's how I feel I I still think she might get 24 maybe even more because not everyone plays their best tennis at the same time and only given you know luck is a huge factor etc etc draws everything but I don't think Serena's best tennis is the best tennis anymore it's it's top five After tonight, I think I agree with you. Um, and what struck me again, and and I, for anybody, everybody listening to this, you've watched this match in your own way with your own TV 
or you've maybe listened to the radio, you've had your own commentators on it, which all influence, I think, the way you consume a match, the way you, and it does in, in, impact you. I've watched it from a real bird's eye view in the back of the stadium, looking down on, on the court. So it's difficult to, to get a sense of the trajectory of the ball and the, and the height over the net, etc. But what we do get is a real sense of the movement of the players and where they are on the court and how they're reacting to the pace of the ball, how fast it's coming off the racket. And my sense, certainly for the set of commentary that I did, was that Serena was made to look by Andrescu a little slow. She was a step slower than her. And when they got into a big hitting baseline rally, Andreescu was a match for her in terms of power. She had more work on the ball because she has that natural top spin, which makes it leap off the court away. But there were a number of times when they went side to side that Williams just wasn't quite there. And she was hitting the ball late. She was hitting it out, quite dramatically out, because she wouldn't back off and she kept still going for the shots. Um, and maybe that's retrievable maybe with a proper off season and maybe some warm up tournaments you can get some sharpness that will make you feel and make me feel okay actually that was that was a one off but it, it looked out there like a nearly 38 year old and let's remember that Serena turns 38 in a couple of weeks against a 19 year old and that's a massive massive difference in terms of your physicality I'm not saying it's Im- impossible to do it Roger Federer still looks incredibly springy out there and, and like a panther. Um, but and, and Serena can sometimes move incredibly well, but to keep up with these kids, I don't know. I don't know whether that's going to be doable. Is, it's also it's a different breed of kids, isn't it, to, to any that have come at her before. She's different. Yeah, she's, she's different, and I think... She's different to all the others. This is... It's eroding her locker room aura, this. And Serena herself is the first to admit that that's a big weapon of hers, the intimidation factor. These fearless kids coming along. Sphere Kenin, the French Open. Yeah. You know, doesn't have the game of Andreescu. These fearless kids coming along and standing in her face and going, yeah, I'm going to beat you. And succeeding. This is eroding a big weapon of Serena's. And Andreescu, though, it stands alone in terms of having everything. Yeah, I would say of, the, of this yeah, generation, she, apart. she is the one that reminds me of Serena twenty years ago more than anybody. And I asked for hands up in the Prime Video Studio when it was me, John McEnroe, Daniela, and Greg who had heard of her twelve months ago, and of course. Greg had his hand up before I'd even finished answering the question but that's cheating because he's Canadian and he said oh the Canadian Federation tipped me off formally, about this formally Canadian he has a Canadian passport is he? Okay. yeah he's got dual citizenship ok um, oh he's always talking about his Canadian passport it gets him access to all sorts of things over here that I can't get access to he saw Lady Gaga's doctor the other day apparently awesome um, yeah so he had he had the inside track from people at the Canadian Federation so discounting that yeah. Danny who is very recently retired very much finger on the pulse of, of the women's tour and John McEnroe heavily involved in broadcasting were ha- happy to admit that they hadn't heard of her 12 months ago yeah and I mean J- John was followed it up by saying really he only became aware of her properly at Indian Wells when she won that title and I think probably quite a lot of people feel like that I'm sure there are some of you out there who go oh, I knew all about her two years ago early adopters early adopters yeah. 
I, I saw her for the first time in Auckland at the start of the year in January and I, I haven't looked up that WhatsApp exchange we had yet because I, I'd quite like to have a look at it just to see how far away we were um, but I would still say even with Auckland even with Indian Wells and even with Toronto what Andrescu's done here to carry all of that potential and that sort of my word she looks a bit special into a slam and win a slam in pretty routine fashion <laughs> she has just won a slam for the most part without playing her best tennis and I and, and it, she, I, look she played it in the final she played it in the final she beat Serena Williams in straight sets on March the third no hang on what date is this? It was before that, wasn't it? In old uh, Auckland. No, but I'm not sure I can go back that far. On the 6th of the 1st, you said... No, no, you didn't say anything then. I've searched Andreescu in my WhatsApp history. Can't find anything from January, but I can certainly tell you that on the 10th of March, you said, go watch Andreescu. Absolutely brilliant. Oh, I'm quite proud of myself. <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> you were in uh, Indian Wells of course weren't you yes yeah. so that would have been so she hasn't lost a completed match since you said that yeah pretty cool she's 24 and 0 I think well 25 and 0 now yeah um yeah oh on the 13th of the 3rd there was a message just saying Andrescu and then the eyes emoji <laughs> Who sent that? I sent that. Hey. Right, so 13th of March is when I can lay claim to her. I would say you, you, you definitely had a bit of a Naomi Osaka moment when you saw her properly for the first yes. time, didn't you? you yeah. Know, uh, because you saw her way before me. Um, yeah, she's she's amazing. And if you haven't had a chance to properly watch her play, um, just change it because she's got the lot. And uh, it does, I mean, McEnroe was saying she's going to win half a dozen major titles over the next few years I mean this is all fitness permitting of course because uh, anybody who's had four and a half months out of the game because of a shoulder injury is a, is a worry uh, in that regard but yes you know hopefully that doesn't happen and I, and I just want to see, I want to see her play some of these others I want to play, see her play Anisimova I want Look. to see her play Sambalenka I want to see her yeah. play Osaka yeah we haven't even seen her play most I want to see her play Coco Golf I want to see her play everybody um, but we stood with Tim Hemmer, didn't we, on the eve of this tournament, watching Bianca Andreescu practice. And you mentioned uh, to Tim the the timeout she'd had with the shoulder injury, and he said, "Okay, I'm going to have it." She was just about to start serving in the practice. He said, "Right, I'm going to." He said, "Usually that would be down to service motion. If you're having shoulder injuries as a 19-year-old, your first thought is issue with the service motion." And he yeah. instantly said, "No, there's no problems there." Um, so I put that to Mary a couple of days later when we were stood watching her practice. Spent a lot of time watching Bianca Andreescu practice. It's because of the dog. <laughs> um, it's also a lot of fun watching her practice. And she said, she said, no, no, it's not. Yeah, it is because of the dog. I mean, but, but a lot <laughs> goes on. I mean, she was wearing yeah. those multicoloured leggings, wasn't she? I know this is a sm- minor point, but she just feels like this sort of person who She's just doesn't give a toss what anybody magnetic. thinks. She just goes out there and she goes. In Simon's words, uh, check me out. In my words, it'd be look at me. I don't. I just don't give a toss. You can all judge me. Couldn't give a toss. Honestly, I look at her and I think I feel envious. I'd have lo- as an as a nineteen year old, what I'd have given to have an ounce of that. 
Yeah. Really? I, think, I just think it's I think most so people, great. Most people are not... Can't view life through that lens, and that's not. And I'm not being critical of her at all. She, she seems great to me. I mean, I think she seems great. As I said, look, I spoke to her on media day, and yeah, she was totally checked me out, but in the most respectful, likable. Um, it's just openness, isn't op- it? Yeah. It's, she just she will engage no with us. Side to her at as all. the media, I, yeah. know, I saw her listening to the questions in the post-match interview on court today. She just listened to the questions and then she suddenly processed them and came out with this, with an answer that wasn't just trotted out because she's yet so used to saying it. Yeah. To, to finish the story that got initially derailed by dogs and latterly derailed oh, yes. by other things, um, Mary said it was just overplaying the shoulder injury right. and just schedule management will sort that out. Yeah. So I really hope she's right. Serena and 24. <sighs> probably the first time I've had a question mark in my mind yeah yeah me too I think she needs the luck to fall for her John McEnroe said in your interview with him I don't think she'll be playing after next year yeah not sure what he was basing that on <laughs> I mean look, and then I'm not having a go because he said it would with, with real stridency he seemed happy to say that yeah but you know well, I mean, I, I went far too early on it. <laughs> far too early. But I always said that I couldn't see her on tour without Venus. And Venus is 39. Well, I mean, they're, they're both going to play next year by the looks of things in the Olympics. For sure. And so I know I know. Three slams Venus worth, is the first it? one to shut down the narrative about her age, etc., etc. They're both going to Tokyo. I think that once Tokyo is done and therefore next season is done... I, Venus will be 40. Mm. Um, but then equally, I just can't imagine her... Ret- I cannot imagine her retiring on 23. I can imagine her being out there as a 60-year-old, just asking for wild cards and trying. I mean, I, I can't well, remember how who... How will she ever have peace? Well, I think John said, look, she's already the greatest ever. And whilst I do believe that, It'll always be there, won't it? That asterisk will always be there, even if it shouldn't be. And there are people listening to this, I know, that feel like that shouldn't be considered because she's she's done it all in the open era, which I take the point of. But until she gets 25, we'll be having this conversation one way or another. Can I interrupt this broadcast for an episode description from the podcast released on the 6th of January 2019. Yes, you can. The title is Goodbye Hotman Cup? Say it ain't so. Andy Murray returns? Semicolon. Naomi Osaka opens up? Semicolon. Who are the Australian Open favourites? Question mark. A couple of paragraphs about the Hotman Cup. Um... Hotman Cup, Hotman Cup, Andy Murray, uh, Brisbane, etc., etc., Doha, Djokovic, etc., etc. Da- David and Catherine assess the title winning weeks for Kevin Anderson and Arena Sabalenka, not aged well. Um, there's also discussion about Naomi Osaka, blah, blah, blah. and, comma, and excitement over rising star Bianca Andreescu. I'll claim that. <laughs> <laughs> Early adopter law. 6th of January 2019. Happy birthday, David. Yeah, come on, law. Um, Well, 
never in a million years could I ever imagine this. It's it is one of the most stunning rises at such a speed. Four Grand Slam tournaments is all she's played in the main draw. Uh, that equals Monica Seles at the age of 16. I should add there with her. Um, it's just and and yet still, just looking at her, it doesn't feel that big a surprise. That's the su- most surprising thing about it is that it doesn't feel that big of a surprise. Yeah, I think I used that line on air when she reached the final. Is yeah. this a surprise that's not a surprise to anyone? Yeah. Well, well, I, look, I st- I'm still almost saying that I think Serena will hit 24 out of just sort of loyalty um, as much as anything. And look, well, she's still a brilliant Mary player. Mary saying always pick Serena. And she's all, you know, look, she still has reached four of what the last five Grand Slam finals Mm. so you know that's an incredible amount of consistency and she keeps giving herself opportunities to this age at least Um, so I'm going to I'm going to stick with it but Andrescu has just put my jaw on the floor If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details this edition of the tennis podcast is sponsored by tennis channel and tennis channel plus is the place to watch the french open they've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or your smart tv both in hd matt this sounds like your kind of thing yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tiebreak or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with Legends of the Game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Mixed doubles. 
was won by Bethany Matic Sands and Jamie Murray today. Uh, it's their second one in a row. I think the first time anybody's defended it for about 30 odd years, isn't it? Since 1982. Wow, fantastic. And Jamie's actually won the title three years in a row because he won it with Martina Hingis two years ago. Yeah, brilliant. A US Open mixed double specialist. They they won the title and didn't actually Bethany Matic Sands didn't actually know she'd won it, did she? And she was really annoyed about that because she. <laughs> I love how open she was about this. They both came to the Prime Studio. Really lovely um, interview with them. Uh, and she was really annoyed about that because it meant that the sort of visuals, the optics, as people say, of her winning moment were rubbish. Yeah, she was, uh, she was very... She said, oh, last year there were all these great photos of me jumping in the air and this year there was just a photo of me looking confused. She thought it was 3-2. <laughs> yeah. And she just won the whole thing. Uh, and, and, and Jamie actually said that the same thing had happened to him the other way around earlier in the doubles, didn't he? He said he, he went to Neil Skubsky thinking that they'd just lost. Ah, uh, you know, good match, mate. And Neil said, <laughs> come on, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this is... It shows how the mind frazzles, really, in these situations. It's hardly surprising when you consider what the stress they're under and the intensity of it all. Um, but congratulations to, to Bethany Matic-Sands and, and Jamie Murray. I mean, Bethany always gives a fantastic interview. She's oh, she is energy, yeah. isn't she? Again, if I could have just an ounce of that, please. <laughs> Come yeah, on. Yeah, she's you, dynamite. She, she does the herself teeth. down. She's just, an energy source. She's just presented eight and a half hours a day on live TV for the last <laughs> two weeks. She's talking about energy. She's done a fantastic That's job. That's where it all goes, though. Well... You see the bad bits. No. Well, the podcast is another good <laughs> half an hour every day. Uh, that's fine. Um, just just a word as well. I mentioned on the podcast last night about um, Cabal and Farah and their win. How cool was that atmosphere? When, when, oh. when doubles really gets people engaged, and obviously that was a... a huge Colombian crowd as well it's fantastic isn't it yeah it was really special in there wasn't it I, th- I think their their Wimbledon win has um, captured people obviously obviously in Colombia um, and the, and everything about that story the, the, how long they were a partnership before winning their first Grand Slam the fact that it came at Wimbledon the nature um, in which they did it over uh, Roger Vasselin-Mahou at Wimbledon and now after achieving that rather than having this sort of letdown a lot of people have they're riding this incredible wave of emotion and momentum and there's something really epic and orchestral about when Sebastian Cabal Robert Farah at the moment and uh, uh, I think it's Farah that has a great dog and one of them certainly had a little toddler one on of them the has a, a nice child and Which one of them has a great dog it could be the same one that's yeah. just got a great team around him lovely scenes anyway so congratulations it was really to them sweet. Um, the men's singles final tomorrow having seen Andrescu today I think we're in for something special tomorrow yeah I don't yeah. think Daniel Medvedev is coming up to make up big. the numbers here he, he's another one he's just going to walk in there and Come on then. Yeah, and uh, so many people have all these physical question marks over Medvedev, and I think he's he's hoodwinked everyone. McEnroe loved him, didn't he? In the, in yeah. the studio, <laughs> yeah, his there eyes was, a little. There was this brilliant moment where he, he said, "You know, he's he's he said I already liked him. I like the way he kind of puts people off balance and sort of fades these shots away." And uh, and he said, "You know, but he came in and and he was probably this sort of guy that 
nobody really knew and they'd never heard of him and then suddenly now he's like this this guy that's like hey is that guy is that the guy who said screw you to the crowd is that him yeah I was getting the wrap up in my ear so I was gently trying to move John along so I could get him off to his you know next broadcasting appointment whatever that was and suddenly he's gone off on a tangent about uh, Trump and Putin and uh, saying screw you (laughs) (laughs) Live television, ladies and gentlemen. In the company of <laughs> children, dogs, and John McEnroe. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen next. Um, well, Wait, John, I'm trying to get you out of here. You're talking about Putin and Trump. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all coming up tomorrow, uh, 9 o'clock UK time, uh, 4 o'clock in the US. You'll be on air at what time? Uh, well, we're on air for the women's doubles final, which is... Barty and Azarenka against Sabalenka and Mertens. Yeah. Absolute cracker. We're on air for that at 6pm UK time. And then build up to the men's final will start at uh, 8.30 with the final at 9. And then a tennis podcast to follow because it will be our final one, folks. Um, I hope you're enjoying them. We we are. We're having a great time. We're sitting out here in the food court surrounded by uh, closing food stalls and unfortunately the provider of my Froze debut has closed for the night. Although, frankly, I only need the one because I can barely stand up as it is. Um, Kim Crawford, if you want to, whoever you are, if you want to sponsor this podcast... (laughs) Yeah, we're, we're, That's just fine. We're all over your product. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we're going to be back with another one of these tomorrow. We are brought to you in association with The Telegraph, executive produced by TennisBalls.com. Our mascot is Rio with a Y. Could I mention something very quickly? Sure. Uh, so a, a, a very nice-looking man came up to me earlier and was just and asked if I was Catherine. And I was on the phone to uh, my producer back in London. I mean, this, just, this story is already making me sound like an absolute TV person um i was on the phone i was trying to have a whatsapp phone call over very dodgy wi-fi at the time and he was so lovely and so excited to meet a tennis podcast presenter i'm sure (laughs) it'd have been equally excited if it were you and i ended up having a photo taken with him while i was holding my phone to my ear and i'm just i haven't stopped cringing about the fact that i did that ever since and i'm so sorry I'm sorry for myself that that photo now exists in the world of me on the phone. And I'm s- sorry to you, whoever you are, <laughs> that, uh, that I wasn't my better self in that moment. Aww. But thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Yeah, and thank you to everybody for their support. We've had some really lovely messages, um, both on Twitter at Tennis Podcast, on Instagram, uh, via email. You can email us through tennispodcast.net. We've got our contact form on there. You can sign up to our newsletter for one more day of daily predictions. I got it right today. I'm flying. <laughs> ah, it's great. Do you being... say Andreas going too? Yeah, that's annoying. It's great being smug, isn't it? Uh, although, as my wife said, the only reason I chose that is because you'd already gone for three, and uh, Matt had gone for three for Serena, <laughs> which is true. Um, <laughs> and if you want to write to us or any of that stuff, um, or join the newsletter gang, you can do that. Just scroll down on the show notes of your phone there, and you can click on on those things and sign up. Um, if you if you like this show as well, and you want to support us when we crowdfund our 2020 campaign. Um, you can ask for a reminder you can sign up for a reminder on December the 1st when we launch um, and yeah our goal will be to send Matt everywhere uh, and to make as many of these shows as we possibly can hopefully as good as we possibly can so that you'll, you all enjoy them and uh, we can carry this on we're really enjoying it we're loving it and we will speak to you tomorrow with another tennis podcast following the men's singles final see you then